Hello and welcome back to the Coach Man Show. It's been a very long time, so thank you very much for joining me. We took a long break here, but we are back stronger and better than ever. So let's just uh, jump right into a Champions League. What a shocker. It's it's so, so funny. Somebody had said that Cristiano Ronaldo, like a true leader, exited the competition first, and then the second player, the second best player in the world, Messi, joined him. Of course, that person was a Ronaldo fan, uh, whether you agree or not. Uh, whether you agree uh, or, or not with that statement, it, um, just take it as a joke. It is a joke. But let's uh, let's talk about what happened. So let's talk about Porto Juventus first. So the first leg was a 2-1 for Porto. Um, absolutely embarrassing defending uh, by Juventus. They, they conceded in the second minute of the first half and the second minute of the second half. Uh, an absolutely piss poor performance by the entire team. Um, they can find um, uh, ways to to get to the goal. Of course, Kiesa scored in the 82nd minute. Um, but other than that, they seemed like a lethargic team with no will to win. And um, we'll go back to uh, Ronaldo's statement after the second leg. But in the first leg, they looked absolutely bad, <laughs> to say to say the least. Terrible performance, but if you look at, at, at Porto and the way they aligned themselves, technically it was a 4-4-2 that switched into a 4-5-1 at times with uh, Marenga coming down deep to defend as well. Um, on the other side, um, you know, Juventus uh, lined up with Kellini, uh, Sandro, Delict, Danilo Chiesa, Betancourt, who was awful. Sandra was awful as well. Kalini was really poor, unusually poor. Chesney, fairly poor as well. Uh, they started with Rabiot, McKenny, Kulusevsky, and Ronaldo, of course, who um, did not manage to to get in a possession of the ball in a good spot for him to to score a goal. So uh, they started from a two-one. Of course, we all know what happened after extra time. Um. Porto scored in the 117th minute and Ronaldo was blamed for turning his back while being on the wall and letting the ball just trickle down into the net. And uh, I'll take Ronaldo's sides on this one because um, it's, it's, it's really embarrassing to just blame it on one single player that was in the wall. So whether that was his executive decision in participating in the wall or it was Pirlo's, we don't know. Um, looking at Ronaldo and the leadership that that he has, I'm pretty sure that it was probably his executive decision to be in the wall, although he technically shouldn't. Um, if you look at that free kick again, which I have done a, a boatload of times, um, Chesney did not set up his wall properly. So why 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 are we not talking about that? Chesney did not set up his wall properly at all. Number one, number two. They didn't have a player usually, which is Quadrado guarding uh, the uh, just in case there's a low ball there. He wasn't present, of course, because everything was so disorganized. And to be honest with you, that was a pretty it was a decent shot. But uh, nine out of ten keepers would have saved that. And I would have anticipated Chesney and saving that. That was that was pretty embarrassing, to be honest with you. Really, 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 really embarrassing. But. That's uh, that's that's beyond besides the point. I mean, when you the the real the real mistake happened 
well, well, well before then when Taremi got a second yellow card in the 54th minute of the game. So from the 55th minute and on until the 120th minute, your team did not manage to score a goal. That is sad. They only scored after Oliveira, after that free kick. Rabio scored a, another one, but that was not enough. But during that time, you should have put in at least a couple of goals. You should have put this game on, like, at the end of the 90 minutes, it shouldn't have been 2-1 for Juventus. Chiesa had, had scored a, a couple of good goals. He should have scored the third one. Morata had a couple of golden opportunities that, unfortunately... For Ronaldo, he didn't get to be in a position where Morata was, but he could have scored an easy two goals. An easy two goals. Chiesa should have got his hat-trick, honestly. Um, he just didn't have enough stamina to go and finish it. Like He just went past the keeper, and then um, Pepe came from the back. Uh, what a performance by Pepe. Uh, <laughs> you know, let's, let's take a minute to acknowledge that he was a true warrior at the back, and he was pretty much teleporting all over the pitch. And in the most dangerous situation, you would see Pepe there uh, guarding a Juventus player, whether it was Morata, whether it was Chiesa, whether it was uh, Ronaldo. He was all over the pitch. And what a performance by Pepe. Um, but Chiesa should have got his hat-trick. And after, after that red card, Juventus should have scored at least a couple of more goals. And it looked like they were, they were comfortable pushing it to the penalty uh, shootout. That's what it looked like. And it's Pirlo's fault and it's it's nobody else's fault. Pirlo is the first one to blame here for the way that he prepared for the game. Um, again, started with Sanjo. Demiral committed a huge mistake awarding a penalty. Uh, Bonucci and Quadrado at the back. Quadrado, uh, in my opinion, one of the best players. Him and Chiesa. Everybody else was very... They were below par. Arthur, again... I swear to God, the most deceiving player you've ever seen in your life. Like his passing percentage is probably like 90, 95% because he always goes for the back pass. And after the second leg with Porto, Juventus definitely earned the nickname Back Pass FC because every single pass, it seemed like they did not want to build in in, in the opposition's half and, and not create dangerous opportunities. They would always resort to a back pass. And I, I, I promise you, if you look at Arthur, for for the amount of time that he played, I think he was replaced in. Uh, I honestly don't know how many minutes did did he get, but, uh, boy, boy was 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 he a huge disappointment. Uh, and it's not like he can do any better, but for whatever reason, they always they would be like literally at the edge of the box, and they would back pass all the way to the middle of the field for whatever reason. It's it's absolutely beyond. There's no excuses when you do things like that. As you know, he was supposed to replace Pjanic as a number five, right? He was supposed to be the guy that dribbles past one or two players, and then he he puts he connects the defense with the attack. And it seems like right now there's no person in Juventus to do that. There's not one midfielder. Rabiot can't do that. The one player that can do that, in my humble opinion, is Weston McKinney. Weston McKinney should be playing instead of Arthur. Weston McKinney should be the one that's replacing Pjanic when it comes to creating chances. Weston McKinney can defend and can attack. We've seen him score. We've seen him assist. We've seen his dedication 
of going forward, he's he's a very offensive player as well. So maybe maybe put him in a role that Pjanic had and not have him go that offensive. Be a tad bit on the defensive side, but but have him in charge of getting the ball, dribbling past opponents, and, and try to set up something for the team. He can do that much, much better than Arthur. Betancourt is not a player that, that should be in charge of anything passing-wise because he's absolutely terrible. Rabiot, same way. Um, they basically don't have a creative midfielder. Uh, look at free kicks. I mean, you have Cuadrado, you have Chiesa sometimes taking free kicks. I mean, uh, not free kicks, but corner kicks. Uh, we're looking We're looking at any, th- th- these types of, of situations, you would have Pjanic. Pjanic would be the one in charge. Pjanic would be the guy that from any set piece would deliver a good cross in, and you don't have that player anymore. You would have Dybala take a corner kick every now and then, of course. Um, but Pjanic would be the guy. And they lost that guy that would connect the midfield with the attack. So what happens down Juventus? I've talked about this a billion times before. Uh, it, it's that lofted ball. That's pretty much what it is. Back pass FC, back pass United, whatever you want to call them. Uh, they go back to the line of three. The ball gets to one of the three defenders, sometimes Bonucci, sometimes Chiellini. And then they try to play a long ball to the attacker. Uh, it, it kind of gets old. And, uh, I mean, you just have to look at a couple of Juventus games since since Pirlo came in. And you see, that's that's the only thing that they do. And uh, playing like that, you've seen it very clearly that it doesn't work even against a team like Porto. And, and Porto... Um, you know, they have a huge heart and whatnot, but they're not a team that plays with 10 men and expects to go through. And not only do they do that, but they actually manage to score late in the game as well. Uh, it's it's an embarrassment. It's it's beyond embarrassing. And that's why uh, Ronaldo came in with a post that, you know, uh, history doesn't forget what happened. And neither do I. I'm pretty sure he is very disappointed in everybody. And he technically should be disappointed in himself as well, because, you know, when you're claiming that you're the best player in the world then you know um um him and Messi of course they're they're always going to be blamed for the success or the failure of of the team you know and uh that's what happened but in my humble opinion this this one is not on him um it's it's how they they prepared the entire game and the philosophy behind it and and you see again the Juventus that was lethargic after the second yellow card that Porto got uh, and and they had the 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 guy eliminated. I mean that that should have been a major spark for the team. That should have been like this is it, guys. We're just crushing them right now. I expected Juventus to score at least two three goals. Honestly, honestly, I, I, at least two goals. I I thought they, there's no way that these guys are gonna lose this the this this game. Uh, I I thought it's it's impossible now with a with an extra man that they would not take advantage of the situation. It's Porto. It's not Barcelona. It's not Man City. It's Porto. It's not Bayern Munich. You know what I'm saying? Uh, huge, huge, huge. The, the, guy, the guy that's that's to blame here, it's Pirlo once again. You know, more wine, less tactics. It is what it is. Um, but let's go. Let's go. Um, let's go to Barcelona. You know, um, after everybody has uh, 
just trash Ronaldo in a press. Uh, Mr. Champions League for a reason, right? He won four, I mean five. Um, Messi won four. Uh, top goal scorer of all time. Top goal scorer of all time in Champions League as well. Um, how about, let me ask you this. How many Champions League titles has Messi won in the past 10 years? So in the past decade. If you said one, you're correct. One. So why doesn't Messi get the same heat like Ronaldo? Why is always Ronaldo on such under such pressure every time he plays in a Champions League? Is like the team automatically has to win because they have Ronaldo, and then if they don't, it's his fault completely. But you know, I mean, not everybody thinks that Ronaldo is the best player in the world. There's plenty of people out there that believe Messi is the best player in the world. So why don't we talk about him a little bit? You know, why don't we talk about how many? Champions League finals has Messi played in the past 10 years. How many trophies he's got? 10 years. In the last 10 years, he won only one time. So take it take it a little easier. Take it, you know. But like I said before, both of these guys are... are we're probably not going to see this type of rivalry ever again. We're blessed. We're, we're extremely lucky to have these, these guys play against each other. And at the level that they're still doing 30... In the late 30s, um, Ronaldo, Messi, I think, still has a couple of good seasons uh, left in him. But look at the performances in the Champions League. You know, yes, they won La Liga, of course. And all of, uh, of his other three Champions League uh, trophies came uh, with that golden Barcelona team. Of course, nobody forgets that. But in the last 10 years, he won it only once. 10 years, guys. 10 years. So how about you, you know? You, you chill out a little bit. Of course, in the second leg, you know, first leg with with uh, Paris. Um, I I truly believe the game was was just poorly prepared by um, by Kuman here. He um, for whatever for whatever reason he decided to start with Pedri, uh, Brusquets and De Jong in the middle, then with Griezmann, Dembele, Messi up front, and in the back with Dest, uh, Piquet, Lenglet. Alba, and of course, uh, in goal with uh, Ter Stegen. Serginho Des got pretty much uh, trashed by Mbappe up and down uh, that wing. Um, there was no match, and the same thing happened in a reverse fixture as well. Um, up to up to that point, and, uh, and I'm talking about the second leg, Messi had four goals in the Champions League, and not like Messi... He had scored all of his goals from the penalty spot, right? Um, and up to that point, Ter Sagan had, you know, six out of seven games that he conceded goals. Um, in a second leg, so ne needless to say, Mbappe, you know, brilliant, brilliant performance. The performance of a lifetime. What a hat trick against Barcelona. What a game. What a game that was in the middle of the, the, the pitch. Uh, I think Paredes, Verratti, and Guia did a good job to put off um, the Barcelona attackers as well. And in defense, uh, Marquinhos did a tremendous job. And of course, Navas, uh, although he didn't manage to get a clean sheet in, in both encounters, he did manage to put some really, really good shots off. But let's talk about the second leg now that finished 1-1. Um, again, um, I'm, I'm not sure why... Uh, 
Kuman decided to go with with uh, Serginho Dest again. Um, he had to be replaced. It was such a tactical battle, and it was so interesting to watch these two guys. Um, and I'll give Kuman a lot more credit than I give Perlo because Perlo doesn't, you know, he sees things go wrong. He never modifies anything. Kuman is not that type of guy. I think Kuman is is as an you know he's 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 a great coach for somebody else than Barcelona. Let me put it that way, and let, and I'm kind by saying that he's a good coach, but not for a huge team like Barcelona or Madrid. He would be a great coach for for you know a, a smaller club. Let's just put it that way. But Pirlo should not even yeah. Uh, as you can tell, I don't have a great opinion about Pirlo, and you can look you know no tactics, just wine type of mentality he never adjusts on the fly he never does these changes that I'm about to talk about um you know with Barcelona uh Kuman against uh Pochettino um right off the bat you know Barcelona needed to score a boatload of goals um and they started in a 3-5-2 formation versus a classic defensive 4-5-1 and a PSG side so Barcelona started with a back three uh, made out of Mengesa, who was, you know, unfortunately, you know, Piquet was out, Robert, Sergi Roberto was out, Coutinho was out, Arajuo was out, and Fati was out, uh, just to name the, the major absence uh, of, of these players. So in the back, Mengesa, uh, De Jong, Langlet. Uh, then the five midfielders were Dest as a right-back wing uh, Sergio uh, Brusquets, Pedri again, um, Alba, Griezmann, and up front Dembele and Messi. Of course, um, Messi would a <laughs> would a rocket, scoring an absolute beautiful goal against Navas. Oh my God! Uh, I think everybody jumped off their seat when they saw that. It was ridiculous the the way that that <laughs> shot went in. Um, and you could see, you can see that things were not going well for for Barcelona from conceding the penalty. Uh, Mengesa had a very bad game. Serginho Des had a very bad game. Longley had a bad game. Pedri had a bad game. De Jong did not manage to put anything going. Um, I thought that he would be the one to actually, you know, from the back three, get the ball to him, get something going. But instead, what they did was they used Messi a lot. Messi had a lot of the ball, and that's that's one of the things here. You know, you look at what happened in Juventus. You, Ronaldo barely had any chances. He barely had any balls. Uh, whenever he would be on the left wing, Porto would, would crowd the area with three to four players. And let's be honest, Ronaldo can't dribble like he once did when he was 23 years old. So that's that. The the You know, the attack dies there. But in Barcelona, you have Messi that is still fluid enough to come from the midfield and play these one-twos, this give-and-go with a midfielder, get back the ball, and then look for, for a killer pass or try to go for the finish himself, which he did and scored a beautiful goal. Um, Navas with a ridiculously good performance. Um, but again, you know, um, unfortunately, Serginho Des with a, with a bad performance again. Um he he got replaced. Um, Mingesa again was a very bad matchup, very bad matchup on a counter attack. So on a counter attack, PSG would just have Mbappe sprint 
like a bat out of hell uh, and he would be against Mengesa, who has decent speed but picking up a yellow card you really don't want to risk it and that's why i'm saying um kuman is is twice the coach um uh, uh, if you compare him to Perlo, because he saw that Mengesa has the yellow card, he sees Mbappe going on these one-on-one -on -one duels with him. So what does he do? He replaces Mengesa with Firpo. And that was not because of the yellow card, because Firpo actually has speed as well, and he can help out and he can keep up on a counterattack with Mbappe. He has the speed. Yeah, he was played in an unusual position for him, more to the right as a as a central right mid uh, defender. I'm sorry. But it was a good, it was a good move. I appreciated the move. You know, I appreciated the move. And uh, also, unfortunately for Messi, you know, his team got knocked out of the Champions League one more time. And of course, um, let's talk about that penalty that was missed um, where Navas kept him out. So 1-1 um, one, one was a good score for me. 1-1 one, one, Messi versus Navas. Messi got one on Navas, but Navas... Got him back with uh, the save from the penalty spot. I, I believe that um, Mbappe had a tremendous first half. You can see that he was very, very eager to score. In the second half, he was barely there. He, you can see he was walking more than he was running. Icardi would have half decent performance. Draxler, I did not understand why he started the game where, of course, you know, Di Maria was injured, but there were there were other options over there as well that, that you could have used. Uh, other other players that I really liked in uh, PSG for the second leg and in the first leg as well. We mentioned uh, Navas, um, <laughs> an old duel between him and Messi since the since the Madrid days. Um, both games, PSG versus Barcelona and Porto versus Juventus, had plenty plenty of action. Um, and of course, if you're a Juventus supporter or a Barcelona supporter, I'm pretty sure that you were. Uh, very, very frustrated. Uh, but that's the way it is. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's unfortunate that, you know, it's been since the 2003-2004 season that Messi and Ronaldo both left the competition so early. Um, you know, um, is it the time for Mbappe and uh, Holland? Maybe. Maybe I'm still not convinced. I, I'm still, you know, if you look at Mbappe, he, he has the flair. He has he has the physical ability, uh, same as Haaland. Um, if you look at him, I, I believe they're, they're two very different uh, types of players stylistically because Mbappe is more like of a Ronaldo type that can change, can change wings, you know, can cut inside, go straight for the goal, or try to get a, a, a pass in. But uh, Haaland is more of a, I would say, more of a Lewandowski type. Um, strong, very physical, uh, robotic almost like. Uh, he puts a lot of emphasis on his physicality. Uh, you can see that um, he's a very strong forward. Um, very similar, I would say, to... Um, well, surprisingly enough, Lukaku, the way he protects the ball, the way, the way he, Lukaku just spends a lot of time with his back towards the goal, but uh, Haaland actually, you know, turned that to his advantage and he just starts a little bit further back to receive the ball. And the moment that he receives the ball, he's actually facing the goal 
most of the times. And that's what he allows himself to do instead of spending that extra second or two to turn around. And a lot of defenders would catch you right there when you transition. They would make the tackle and they're either, you know, you'll get a foul or or you'll get through and try to make a shot. But um, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully this this very physical style doesn't get Holland hurt in the long term uh, because you can get very, very hurt when you play um, physical football. But um, am I sold on both of these guys? Not yet. Not yet. Although um, when you're when you're Mbappe and you already won the World Cup and you weren't even 20, um, <laughs> there's there's no other competition in the world that you aspire in winning. But the World Cup for your for your country um am i totally sold on them not just yet but time will tell is it is it a new uh, rivalry after messi and ronaldo absolutely will it be the same not sure because these these guys are not messi and they're not ronaldo um so we'll see we'll see what happens but so far this season holland is is turning out to be a a goal scoring machine and I'm pretty sure that you've seen all of those posts that people are posting oh he's the fastest player to reach 20 goals in the Champions League but I mean why is 20 a, a magical number let's talk 50 let's see how he gets to 50 I mean why I I see why the media wants to pump him up and and you know make him seem uh you know the the next them uh, Ronaldo or Messi but let's let's you know Let's give him credit for what he's doing because he's he's a very young player that, you know, he still has a lot of room to grow. And I believe for both of these players, for both uh, Mbappe and, and Holland, I hope that they'll move from France and Germany, respectively. And they'll be fortunate enough to work with a coach that is more inclined to deal with young players, with young prospects, with, with talented players, than to land in a team where they have a brand new coach like uh Pirlo and Juventus I would hate for them to see any of them uh to see him go to Juventus I I believe that a good team for any of those two would be Barcelona Real Madrid or Manchester City right now um these are teams that that like that like these new young players um Kuman I'm not sure how he does with with uh, he he doesn't have a, a you know a long track record with working with youngsters and what have you, but I would, I would be more comfortable with uh, somebody like Guardiola who worked with a very young and talented Messi uh, with a very talented team in Barcelona. Um, and needless to say, that success that they had with Barcelona was, was almost duplicated by uh, Bayern Munich. Uh, other than that, nobody has, has managed to do something like that. Um, and I believe that, Guardiola is, is one of the, the coaches that truly understands the game inside and out. And he he um, has the mental fortitude and would be very beneficial for any youngster on the planet to work with Guardiola because he knows how to talk to players and to instill that discipline, that that mentality, that that hunger and to explain it in, in, in you know, in very blunt terms that this is the way that it's going to be. You're going to sacrifice a lot of things, but at the end of the day, this is your job and we have to win. And uh, after one season is gone, and even if you're shown that you're the best, guess what? The next season, every everybody starts from zero points and is back to square one. 
and it's back to those hard workouts and 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 everything that comes with it so what do we have for champions league for tomorrow well we have uh, Manchester City versus Borussia Mönchengladbach sorry about that um first leg two to nothing I'm pretty sure that you know City has been on a rampage on a rampage I mean if you look at the way they they finished the first half of the season you would have thought that they're they're absolutely done and now they're running away with uh, the title we'll we'll definitely talk more about that um about the individual leagues but uh they'll play in england um 2-0 advantage i'm pretty sure they'll they'll put borussia Mönchengladbach away uh fairly easily to be honest with you i don't see anything spectacular happening over there um same with uh, madrid and atalanta madrid still has to fight a lot to come back um and i'm not sure that atletico madrid is gonna hold on to that lead um till the end of the season um they'll face atalanta and madrid they have a 1-0 aggregate from the first uh encounter uh 1-0 is not enough they they looked very shaky and there's there's plenty of games even in in, in the last game uh in La Liga, Madrid got saved by Benzema with a, a second goal with a left foot that <laughs> I don't know how the ball got in, but they they managed to get all the points, and that's uh, that's the only thing that matters for them. Um, could we see a surprise? Yes. Do I believe it will happen? No, not not really. And then we have Bayern Munich against Lazio. Of course, um, I, I'm still even though even though Bayern lost more games this season uh, this year than they did the entire last year i do believe that an informed bayern munich beats everybody right now any team on the planet easily and um i'll still maintain that and i'll still believe that they're the favorites i don't care what the odds makers are saying in my opinion uh they're still the favorites and uh i see him in the final and i see him i see him winning another one um like i said on on a very good day <laughs> it's it's really really difficult to stop buying from from achieving victory um 4-1 against Lazio now they're playing in Germany um I'm pretty sure um Hansi Flick is going to rest some of the regulars and and give the youngsters a chance um even even if they get a draw or even if they lose I I it's it's a when you have four one in the first leg and you're playing against Lazio, I don't think he's he's gonna put uh, his stellar team on. And then again, we have Chelsea versus Atletico Madrid, which I was highly surprised. Um, I thought that Atletico, you know, at the time they they were you know they were informed they they had a, a good streak of winning. I I really thought that they were gonna put Chelsea away. Uh, of course, that spectacular goal from Giroud. Uh, put them ahead one to nothing in a first, and now they're playing in England. If you look at Atletico Madrid right now, in the past three games that they had, they lost against Villarreal in La Liga. Then they drew against uh, Real Madrid with a late, 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 late goal by Benzema in the 89th minute, I believe. And then um, they had uh, a game again uh, against Atletico Bilbao, which they won. And then uh, last Saturday, they placed against Hetafe, and it was a draw, nil-nil, and Hetafe had a man less from the 70th minute. 
Uh, so needless to say, there's a lot of pressure on them. They dropped two precious points in La Liga in their last game, and now they have to come in with that disappointment and play against Chelsea at home. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's a tricky one for me, this one. It's a very, very tricky one because uh, they battle on two fronts, Atletico does. Um, They want to win La Liga finally and they also want to get past Chelsea which is a very fragile win it's it's 1-0 and it was due to a spectacular effort so it wasn't because of the you know ridiculous gameplay and they dominated the game or anything like that it was because of a spectacular goal anything can happen I hope we will see more than one goal scored um and to be honest with you it wouldn't be such a bad thing if they would lose uh Atletico I mean because it would be a shame. It would be a real shame if if they start losing and dropping points in La Liga. And uh, just like it happened two seasons ago when, when it looked like they had everything going for them. But then towards the last 10 fixtures of the season, they started dropping points. Um, and then Madrid came up and it, they eventually uh, won La Liga. So it wouldn't be such a bad thing for them if they would, you know, lose lose nobody likes losing but i think it would be out of the two teams i, I think um you know uh, a loss would benefit atletico more so they would focus more on la liga and not have to play these fixtures like two fixtures a week and and get everybody tired um we'll see we'll see what happens it's <laughs> it's a 50 50 um it's really a 50 50 it's anybody's season so far um We'll see. Since we're talking about Atleti, let's just switch over to La Liga for a quick second. Um, Everybody in the top five had played 27 games. Atleti, of course, with 63 points. Um, Barcelona is currently playing, so they play uh, against Huesca. Um, We'll see what happens in this game. Uh, They're at 57 points right now, and uh, Madrid share the same number of points. Uh, of course, I just mentioned um, Atletico Madrid had just dropped a couple of points um, in their last fixture. But then again, they still have to go through a lot of difficult teams. You look, they have an encounter against Sevilla, Real Betis, um, against Barcelona. Um, and I would I would say against Real Sociedad as well. Tricky, tricky games ahead. Now let's take a look at Barcelona's schedule for the rest of the season since they've been eliminated from um, the Champions League. The most difficult games for them would be against Sociedad, of course, um, against Real Madrid on the 11th of April. That's probably going to determine, unless there's a draw, of course a draw will not help any of the teams. Uh, It will help, uh, of course, Atleti if up to that point they'll still be in the lead. Uh, they have the Copa del Rey final against the uh, Athletic Bilbao. I don't think that's going to be any issue. I'm pretty sure that they're going to win it. Absolutely. Um, they'll have a game against Hetafe, Villarreal. Valencia can be a tough cookie. And on the 9th of March, they have a direct encounter with Atletico Madrid. Which, after that, there's only three more fixtures. And that fixture on the 9th of May, I'm pretty sure that it will determine who will win La Liga. Um, 
of course, with Lionel Messi's career imbalance, we don't know if he's going to continue with Barcelona or not. Uh, he's expressed his wishes to go away from the club multiple times, but I truly believe with the the re-election of this president um, that they might manage to convince him if they win the Copa del Rey and if they win against uh, Atletico Madrid and get the title, they can make a very strong case for him to to stay. Where there's a financial uh, situation, I'm, I'm, and we all know that Barcelona is in debt. They're in huge, huge, huge debt, about $1.5 billion. And Messi's wages are, are part of that as well, of course. And uh, they they will have to pay the man what he deserves because it's just him and Ronaldo at the top and everybody else is, is miles away. And yes, I'm saying that after they've been both eliminated from the Champions League, I'm still going to say that everybody else is levels behind them. And that's that's my truth. <laughs> okay, that's my truth. Um, three more fixtures after they... they get to see Atletico Madrid on the 9th of May. Uh, and those three fixtures for Barcelona would be against Levante, Celta Vigo, and Eibar. Um, games that, you know, Celta can can be a tough cookie. But against Levante and Eibar, they should be a walk in the park. So that fixture on the 9th of May together with, uh, with El Clasico against Madrid, I am pretty sure that um, that's, that's where it's going to be for La Liga. If we look at uh, Real Madrid's schedule, of course, we have the El Clasico that I had just mentioned on 11th of April. They play against Betis. They have uh, a game against Sevilla. Um, and the last game on the 23rd of May, it's going to be against Villarreal, who always kind of gives Real Madrid problems. And let's let's not forget that if they uh, they win against Atalanta tomorrow and they uh, advanced to the next round in the Champions League. Um, you know, it's playing on two fronts again and try to win uh, La Liga. The Ramos just came back from an injury. Um, I'm, I'm not sure who's going to be the fresher team here, but definitely not Real Madrid. Definitely not Real Madrid. So as far as I'm concerned, the two favorites right now to win the title in Spain are Barcelona and, of course, Atletico Madrid. Now, if we move to Italy, we find after 27 games that Inter Milan has 65 points. Then it's AC Milan with 56 and Juventus with 26. So let's just say that Juventus wins their next game. That will put them on second place with 58 points, seven points behind the leaders Inter Milan, who have had a tremendous season due to, you know, a poor form shown by Juventus as well let's be honest um i'm one close to 100 sure that juventus is not gonna make the impossible possible and i'm pretty sure that this will be finally the first year that that somebody else is gonna is gonna take over the the Serie A title after many years of consecutive wins i think that under perlo um, they're not going to win the Serie A. And it, it was obvious against Porto. Uh, I've told you and I warned you about uh, him coming to the club many, many, many times. And you can see the results. Don't be fooled by a few performances here and there. 3-1 against this team and 3-0 against this team. Like They, they score against uh, poor opposition. 
and you it make it makes you think that oh my god team spirit oh my god look at these people but it's 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 you know you have to step up to the plate when it really matters you know um inter milan again i'll talk to you uh about the dark horses Sassuolo, they have a game against Sassuolo. Inter's next game is going to be against Sassuolo. And if you look at the rest of the season, on the 18th of April, they play against Napoli. Uh, my favorite, Spezia, <laughs> 21st of April. Now that, if Spezia manages to put away Inter Milan and to win, yes, I said win, win that fixture, that can give Juventus a hope because on the 16th of May they have a direct fixture with them and then the last uh, game of the season for Inter Milan will be against Udinese but it's 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 not all said and done as of right now um you you, you can't just you know dismiss uh AC Milan they still have a fixture against uh, Manchester United it, uh, in the Europa, Europa League it was 1-1 it's anybody's game they'll play in Italy uh, if they get a draw, nil-nil, uh, they'll be just good to go. Um, again, if you play on two fronts, I'm not sure if Milan can can um, has the depth necessary to go on two fronts at the same time and hope for a Serie A title and um, a Europa League final. It's anybody's game against uh, Manchester United there, but if you look... If you look at the rest of the season for them, uh, they have a relatively easier-ish type uh, of schedule. They they have the same game with against Asuolo. Then they play against Lazio. They have a direct fixture with Juventus on the 9th of May, and they're the last um, the last fixture of the season for them will be against Atalanta, who is not a walk in the park for anybody this season. Absolutely. If you look at Juventus. Their very next game, they just won uh, against uh, Cagliari, uh, Ronaldo, with a hat-trick. And that would be his ninth perfect hat-trick. And what does that mean? That means right foot goal, left foot goal, and a header. Um, ninth. And he's the only player in the world to have nine. Um, if you compare him to Messi, Messi unfortunately lacks a lot of goals with his head. Uh, he has scored a decent amount with his weak foot but um if we talk about the total numbers of perfect hat tricks for Messi it would be a big zero so it's nine to zero um but let's go back to Juventus schedule next game um, on the 17th will be against Napoli really 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 tough cookie Napoli um then they have a game against Torino uh, they'll play against Napoli because um you know, coronavirus and all of that stuff just uh, postponed a lot of games. Two games against Napoli. Of course, uh, the the local derby against Torino. Then they have a game against Atalanta. Uh, they have a game against uh, AC Milan. Then Sassuolo. Then Inter Milan. Um, they have the Coppa Italia final against Atalanta. And the last game will be probably a walk in the park against Bologna. But I think they have the by far the... the most difficult schedule left and that's why i truly truly believe that it's not going to be a surprise if ronaldo leaves after this season um juventus doesn't have 
the depth that's necessary. There's a lot of players that are not playing well, to say the least. Dybala just got injured. Uh, I don't know when he's going to come back. Ronaldo still leads right now. He's the top goal scorer in the league. But um, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up in being third. Not even second. Third. I'm calling it right now Juventus for third place. Um, they have a very difficult schedule. And you can see the the something's wrong there. Um, after after they replaced the uh, sorry, everybody was saying in the media, all the players that everybody's smiling on the training grounds and what have you. But... You know, you can smile and I'd rather, you know, have the player not smile and win than just smile and not have any will to be on the pitch and and, and any fighting spirit. And that's what Juventus is lacking right now, uh, together with some of their main players not stepping stepping up to the plate. Um, most definitely, I would favor for Serie A, Inter Milan or AC Milan. Um, but... I, I, I'm pretty sure and I hope that Inter Milan will will get it done and, and break the spell of of Juventus for so many years, um, which will be a big blow for Juventus. Hopefully, um, they'll remove Pirlo, but it looks like they're not. Um, it looks like, you know, they want to build a dynasty with him and, and they'll take this big L of this season and move forward. I'm pretty sure that uh, if they don't win the Serie A again, they'll try to offload Ronaldo to somebody. I wouldn't be too upset if he would go to Real Madrid or Manchester United, but I'm pretty sure that both clubs would not be interested in him. Uh, I'm still waiting to see Messi's uh, decision and where where is he going to leave because if he stays in Barcelona, which is highly unlikely if you ask me uh, and Ronaldo goes to La Liga again to Madrid which is highly highly unlikely uh, it would be it would be amazing to see another probably two years max of uh, El Clasico's with Messi and Ronaldo in the final stages of their career still battling uh, against each other um, but yeah for Ronaldo I have no clue where is he gonna go for Messi I don't see why City wouldn't approach him I I really don't see why not uh, I hope that none of these players come to the MLS I I truly hope and I've been saying this for the longest time please don't come to the MLS go 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 to these these really good champions uh really good championships don't don't go to France don't go to Germany go to England or Spain if anything, or stay in Spain in the case of Messi. I, I hope that Messi has a change of heart because it wouldn't be too good for his legacy if he would move to a, to a different league and then not perform. And then some of, of his critics always have been saying that if you put Messi at a different team, he's not going to be Messi again once he's out of the Barcelona system. And I would hate for that to be the case and, and, and it would tarnish his legacy once he doesn't play in that Barcelona system, because it's it's pretty late in his career as well. You know, uh, Ronaldo's three years older um, right now. You know, uh, at, th- at 33, you're not, you know, prime Messi anymore. And of course, you're not going to have the same intensity and, and things have changed for both of them. Um, and I would I would hate 
for that to to happen for Messi. He knows Barcelona inside and out. They've built a club around the guy. He's been there for so many years. Probably Kuman is gonna you know step away from the job and they'll get somebody else. I don't know who, but just somebody else, somebody that that has the experience, that that has the hunger, that somebody that can build something based off uh, Ansu Fati, based off Dembele, maybe offload Griezmann, who's you know. Uh, been a terrible, t- terrible transfer. Offload Umtiti as well. Um, build around the defense a little bit. Uh, offload Pjanic because he's been a huge L for the team. Um, get some, get some fresh blood in. You know, you you have the young there. You have Ansu Fati. Um, you know, you have Serginho Dest who, you know, there's a lot of room to grow. Um, you you still have Jordi Alba, a veteran who plays ridiculously well and still has that those crosses that are absolutely out of this world. Um, Barcelona will still be a top club, um, so I'm I'm not sure if if it would be the best decision for Messi to leave. I hope he doesn't. And with that, let's just uh, make a quick switch to the Premier League, which I'm calling it right now. Um, Manchester City is going to win the title again in the Premier League. Um, they're at 71 points uh, with 30 games played so far. Manchester United, 29 games played, 57 points. Uh, even if they win the next encounter, that will put them at 60 points. It's an 11-point gap that at, I mean, they've been, you know, re-energized uh, City since January, they've they've been a totally different team. The remember when I used to tell you in in October that you know you so slowly see life in City, but they're not they're not looking like a Guardiola team. Well, that that all changed right now. They definitely look like a Guardiola team right now. Uh, what doesn't look like uh uh Jose Mourinho team is Tottenham right now, <laughs> who are in a Seventh place, uh, recently lost against Arsenal. Of course, Jose being Jose, saying that, oh, I don't look above, uh, I don't look uh, below me. I just only look at the teams that are above us. And what do you know? He lost. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the season they part ways with them. Uh, it it hasn't been a dream. Now with uh, Son getting injured, is going to be very, very difficult for Tottenham. Uh, because right now Bale finally started to play better. Um, they tried the system Kane Son uh, Bale. Um, that was, you know, a promised success. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen now. Is is Lamela going to replace Son or who who is he? Who's Jose going to play on the left wing? Um, we'll have to wait and see. But you know, surprisingly, you know, the third team right now is Leicester. Then you have Chelsea. Then you have Chelsea, who under Tunchell or Tuchel, or I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce his name correctly. Um, they've been they've been playing ridiculously good. I don't know what happened. I don't know why uh, Frank Lampard got dismissed. Um, yeah, there were poor results, and th- there seemed to be something missing. Um, but I just hate it when that happens. And it's Chelsea. It's Abramovich, and you know Abramovich does what Abramovich thinks. So it comes to no surprise that even a, a legend as Lampard got dismissed from the club because, you know, uh, they didn't do massive changes and the transfers that Lampard did, they were all good transfers on paper. It's just the, the players did not adjust. And 
that happens every now and then. And, and talking about surprises, Liverpool currently on eighth place. Um, <laughs> it was a lot of people that were saying that, you know, uh, you have no idea how Van Dyke uh, shaped Liverpool and, and how much he, he matters in a defense department and all the other injuries that they have. And it's, it's really unfortunate to see Liverpool doing so bad. Um, I, I, I truly hope that, um, they're, they're going to keep, they're going to keep club because he's, he's a really good coach. Um, you know, I, I don't think he should have won the coach of the year award. Let's be honest here. Don't get me wrong, but, um, uh, he's a very likable guy. And, you know, unfortunately for him, he's, he's had a very rough time this season as well with his family. And, um, is very unfortunate, you know, very unfortunate what, what has happened to him and to, to Liverpool as well. And it looks like they're going to fight really hard to even get European football. Right now, they're on eighth. They are on eighth. Of course, in between them and the re one of the revelations of the season, I believe, West Ham. And um, yeah, how about Jesse Lingard going to West Ham and starting scoring goals? Uh, more goals than he scored in his entire career at Manchester United. <laughs> how about that? Uh, West Ham sits on 48 points right now and Liverpool on 44 uh, with an extra game. Is it impossible? No, it's not impossible. Uh, is it going to be tough? Yeah, because it's it's been very tough for the past few games for Liverpool, uh, especially at Anfield, uh, breaking negative records, unfortunately. But um, they're going to they're going to have to fight really, really, really hard. Um, Everton as well. Everton with James Rodriguez. Um, they're on sixth. So we have uh, West Ham on fifth, Everton on sixth. Uh, on seventh, we have uh, Tottenham, and then uh, on eighth, Liverpool. So these these four teams here are going to fight for a spot, a fifth, or maybe even a fourth uh, place. You know, Chelsea's right there. Um, if Chelsea misses a couple of steps, you know, they'll find themselves playing in a, in, a, in a Europa League, not a Champions League spot anymore. So we'll see. Right now, I am calling the, the title race for Manchester City. I I don't believe they're going to miss uh, too many steps till the end of the season. Uh, Manchester United doesn't have an in them. Um, Leicester City, of course. Uh, honestly, I didn't expect them to be on third. I expect them uh, to be top five, but not third. I, I, I thought they would be on fourth or fifth. I don't think uh, they're going to, you know, manage to win every single game for the rest of the season. Uh, even though... They're not involved in, in anything uh, competition-wise. They're they're just in the Premier League. Um, they're still in the FA Cup in the quarterfinals, but they play against uh, Manchester, Manchester United. So if they lose, they'll have only one competition to focus uh, on. And some of their tough fixtures will be against West Ham. Um, and then they play on the, on the 11th of May against uh, United on the 15th of May against Chelsea. And they have the last game of the season on the 23rd of May against Tottenham. Um, very difficult schedule, I would say. And that's the main reason why um, I believe that, you know, um, nobody nobody can, can change anything uh, in a title race in a Premier League, given the, the run that City has right now. Scoring a lot of goals. I mean, you look 5-2. Uh, against Tottenham, yes, they lost against Man United. 
big deal. Um, you know, then then United drop points. So it's you know one cancels the other. Uh, yes, they're still in the Champions League, and yes, they're still in the FA Cup. Um, they play against Everton. Um, in the Premier League, difficult fixtures. What they would have against Leicester, of course, a tough night out for anybody. It will. Um, another one would be against Villa. Villa is not a guaranteed win. Uh, they have the EFL Cup final against Tottenham on the 25th of April. Then they play. They play against Chelsea on the 8th of May. And then the last uh, fixture for them on the 23rd of May would be against Everton. So not not that easy of a schedule as well, playing on, on three different competitions. I'm pretty sure that Guardiola will figure something out and uh, come away with a Premier League title, even though it will have to sacrifice the, the cup for it. I'm, I'm pretty sure that he'll find a way. Um, they're, they're, they're absolutely just balling right now. And I don't see him uh, stopping anytime soon. That is all that I have for you today, my friends. Thank you very much for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.